knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit, with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio. I'm so glad you joined us tonight. Whatever part of the world you're listening to us from, if it's Africa, Philippines, um, the United States, wherever it is that you're listening from. We're just delighted to have you here tonight. And um, we're con- uh, Dr. Frank Summerall is going to be continuing his series on healing is the children's bread. And I'm really excited for what, he, what he's going to bring tonight. It's going to be powerful. And without any further ado, Dr. Frank Summerall, uh, please take your liberty in the Holy Ghost. Thank you very much, Deborah. appreciate that. We're dealing with healing as a children's breath. We found in several portions of Scripture that talks about healing. Even in the Old Testament, it mentions healing. And one of the Scriptures, maybe you're not acquainted with this, is found in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 17, which declares, I will restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds. Now, that's interesting. God said that all the way back to Jeremiah that he would heal, that he would bring his health. So really, health is better than healing. Healing is progressive. Health is continuous. And so we thank God that he has made the body. And so therefore, him being the master designer of our bodies, who more could we go to than the master designer? He knows what you need. He knows what your problem is. He knows what your situations are in your body. How it can touch you and heal you and set you free. And then, of course, we know in Isaiah it says that by his stripes we're healed. And also in the New Testament it says by his stripes you were healed. Speaking of past tense, it's already taken place. That there's actually two areas where the enemy fights the strongest. The first area is that he fights is the area of healing. Because once he knows that we as God's children can and will be healed, he puts up a barrier, tries to cause your mind to go aside of the truth. And that's one thing. Another thing that the enemy doesn't like is the fact that when we speak in the Holy Ghost, when the Spirit of God is on us and we speak in other languages, as the Spirit gives utterance, because he can't break the code. He doesn't understand what we're saying to God in the Spirit of the Lord. Those two areas are most Powerful in God. All right, turn over to uh, Psalm 103. It said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Well, what are these benefits? Well, it goes on to say, Who forgives all your iniquity. And that semicolon. Who heals all your disease. 
Did you say it's the same thing? The iniquity is taken care of and healing is taken care of. It says all, A-L-L, all means all, who heals all of your diseases. So if you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, you'll find that verse 1 to 114, verse 1 to verse 14, they are blessing verses. Then from 15 all the way down through to about 68, it has to do with the fact of curses. So I choose to live on the blessing side. And there's so many people today that need a healing in their bodies, healing in their mind, which is your soul. Other people need healing in the direction of they've had broken hearts, in the area of spirit, that the Lord can and will touch you. So as this program continues, just let your faith reach out and let it start believing for what God's about ready to do for you tonight. Tonight is a good night. Who forgives all your iniquities, verse 3, who heals all of your diseases. All. That's every kind of disease that is possible. And so what Adam did, he turned this thing over. Uh, you do a study, you find out that there are 37 major diseases that mankind has, 37 major, and that's not even counting the minors. So we just heard, what was it, just a few weeks ago about Ebola. I'm sure all these diseases can and will be taken care of. Now, I have been healed many times of many types of diseases, and God has kept me strong and well. Hallelujah. And so he can keep you strong and well because... The Bible says, let your body glorify God. So if we glorify God, we're to glorify God in our bodies, that our bodies will be strong, will be vibrant people, <laughs> blessed, anointed in the Spirit of God. It says, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your disease and who redeems your life from destruction. Oh, there been many times where I could have been destroyed. Several years back, this happened in the state of Indiana. I was going south to Kokomo. At that time, I lived in South Bend. South Bend is about, oh, about 80 miles out of Chicago and going east, of course. And so in the winter months, we have a lot of snow and ice. And right about Lakeville, which is uh, down south of South Bend, I, I was headed down. I had my son with me in the car. And we were traveling down to Kokomo because a good friend and doctor was there. He actually was a, a dentist appointment. So I was going to have a dental appointment and brought my son with me. Well, on the other side of Lakeville, I, I, I noticed this gentleman ahead of me was a tow truck. And the tow truck was exceeding the limits. And so since he was going around cars and everything else, there was hardly any traffic at all. But he was traveling pretty fast, and so I decided to do the same thing. But I didn't realize that the tow truck was not properly busted. What does that mean? That means they were towing a car, and it wasn't totally fixed on their right. And so one of the turns he made, that car came loose and started flying toward my car. And I just said one word. I said, Jesus. And when I said that, the Lord turned that car around and hit another car going the other way. Allow that to happen because 
in your spirit, whatever's in your spirit at the last moment, that's what counts. And it bummed me. You know, if I'd have said, oh, me or oh, my, I'd have been dead. No doubt in my mind, I'd have been dead. But inside my spirit was the name Jesus. I called on his name. When that car turned around, then I, I went across the median to the other side and saw the car. And two ladies were in there, and wedged in between the two ladies was a baby. And I was praying in the spirit. And so I picked up that baby, and I began to shake the baby, getting the glass out of the mouth. The paramedics told me later that was the only thing to do. Now, I didn't know how to do that, but the Spirit of God told me what to do. But the sad thing about it is both of the ladies were dead. Now, I didn't have time to stay around. Like I was fighting the paramedics, and the policeman came, and I gave them all my story, what happened, everything else. And so that was something else. But my life was spared from destruction. Many times I have been to the point of destruction. Maybe you have, maybe you look back and you could have had a car accident. You could have had some kind of thing happen. You could have, you know, a fall or some terrible thing could have happened to you. And yet God has spared you from destruction. That's an amazing word right there. That he has spared you from the enemy coming to destroy. The Bible says in John 10 and 10, I said, the thief, he comes not to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And so we believe in the abundance of life. And so, therefore, we are life givers to everyone we see. We're blessing people, helping people, encouraging people, lifting people up, causing the good things of heaven to come their way. So in heaven, you don't find any darkness in heaven. You don't find in pain or suffering or anything like that at all. Every time you have a view from the Bible in heaven, they're rejoicing, they're praising, they're excited, they're wonderful, they're beautiful, the radiance of God is Lord. Oh, I could go on and on about that because heaven is a beautiful place created for God and his angels and for those that love and serve him. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, they always sing that song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Well, bless the Lord. I believe that. But here's the deal. I believe we've got to stay on the earth until our, our, our job's finished, until the assignment of heaven has been on our heart. We have to complete that assignment. And so many times the enemy tries to take us out all kinds of ways and all kinds of things. You can just look back at your life and see all the different things that happened. Yeah, I remember years and years ago, it just happened to Canada. And I thought I knew what I was doing, and I got in this canoe. And when I started out, there was no waves at all. This was a huge lake. And I got in the canoe, and I was paddling around, and I got in the middle of the lake, and a storm hit. And those waves were going about eight feet high. Now, I'm not a bad swimmer, but you know, that kind of wave, that could take you under so I was praying in the spirit, and, and finally I got the canoe to where it would get capsized. It threw me out, but the canoe was still on top of the water. So I took the canoe and, and, and took it all the way to the shore. I was just totally exhausted when I got there. When I got to the shore, had this family out there. They, they lived in a very beautiful house, and I was kind of groggy anyway. Coming that I don't know how far I swam. It's a long way. And so when I got there, the lady kept on saying, said, you could have drowned, you could have drowned, you could have drowned. I said, lady, I can't drown right now because I haven't done the assignment of heaven yet. She just kind of shook her head, and she was thinking that I possibly had a problem with my brain. Because how could I say that if I was in such a situation there on that large lake 
about ready to lose my life, and I come and I set destiny. <laughs> destiny is my life. Destiny is the way of God, and God will propel us to our destiny. Hallelujah. So it says, deems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Ah, I like that. There's a lot of relationships there. One of the things, the annual molting, casting off of the old feathers and receiving new ones, and all kinds of things like that. Wonderful things. They live for a, a number of years, over 100 years. And they're amazing. They can see for miles and miles and miles. It says, your youth will be renewed like the eagle. One of the characteristics they have, when they have an old beak, they take that beak and they slam their beak against a rock till the old beak falls off and a new one comes on. So every part of the eagle has been restored. Ah, I like that. Well, well, let's look at that uh, scripture. You know, you're thinking about it right now. That they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This is found in Isaiah chapter 40. And it's such a wonderful promise of God that we are renewed. This is chapter 40. Let's go back to verse 29. Verse, 29th verse. He said, he gives power to the faith and to them that have no might Increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31. But they that wait, aha, uh-huh. that's the secret right there, waiting on God. Waiting on God. And in the Hebrew, it's Q-A-V-A, quava, to bind together, expect, gather together, look patiently for, wait upon. Waiting on God is so amazing. They that wait upon the Lord shall. I like that. They that wait upon the Lord shall. Hallelujah. You get that right there? There's somebody I'm talking to right now that you have been so weak in your body. You've taken all kinds of medications and they haven't helped yet. Other things you've been trying. Even even change your diet. But this is what I get right now. This is an attack of the enemy upon you. You need to get up, rise up, rebuke the enemy, and see the salvation of our God. Right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. If you're weak in any position at all, get up out of that bed or get off of the chair or off of the sofa or wherever you are. Get up and raise your hands and give God glory and praise. For right now, healing is yours. Yeah, let's go to this again. It's so good. Isaiah, chapter 40, and verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And what are they going to do? They're not going to walk. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, you can't find any stronger message than that in regard to healing how that the restoration can and will take place in your body. You know, 
a lot of times we have problems within the two earlobes. That means your mind, your brain, in between the two ears. That's where the enemy attacks most. Sister Joyce Meyer wrote a wonderful book, The Battlefield of the Mind. That's what it is. The battlefield is the mind. If the enemy can come in and cause your mind to think stinking thoughts, that's good. What happens to you is you start believing those thoughts rather than the word of God. You need to believe the word, accept the word, receive the word, walk the word, talk the word. Understand that that's how it is. That, that's the reason of how God is directed toward you is really, it can be said this way. You love God to how much you love his word. Now say that again. You love God accordingly as you love his word. If you get a Christian, you tell me and said, I'm a Christian, I do this. I said, how much Bible reading do you do? And if you can't say that you read several chapters a day, that you can't say in the word of God, you read it just a little bit here and there. No, no. Reading a word is just not a little dabble do you like brokering. I don't even know if they can cut it on the market. Yeah, brokering. That's what I used to use years ago, brokering. No, it's not a little dabble do you. It's nothing just like a little touch. It has to do with the fact that in this, understanding this, we release ourselves, the power of the Holy Spirit, and he comes and he blesses his children. There's so much to be said about that, how that he will protect us, he will lead us, he will guide us, he will direct us. He will bless his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's look back at Exodus 15.26. In Exodus 15.26, we are told, this is one of the redemptive names of God. There are about 14 redemptive names of God. We're only going to do just a few. But showing you how the continuity is there how would God said? God said in Genesis, He said that I am the God I am is speaking. I am your provision. You find this in Genesis chapter two or two. That's twenty two, two two, and it has to do that God is our provision. Jehovah Jireh. This is uh, chapter twenty two and verse fourteen. He called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Then, of course, there's Jehovah Nisi, which means he's the Lord, our banner. All the banners that we have. We find this in Exodus chapter 17, how he is the Lord, our banner. Now, what I'm talking about, I'm building your faith, showing you how God's blessing in your life is progressive, not regressive. How that he wants to bless his people. How he wants to touch him. How he wants to do that. Hallelujah. So, talking about when Moses was coming against the Amaleks, and he had, as long as he had his hand raised, they were winning the war. But he was tired, and his hand started to come down, lower and lower. But what happened? Joshua did as Moses said. He did with Amalek, and then he set up Aaron and Hur, which are the top of the hill. Now, these were young men. They came to the top of the hill, and they held up Moses' hands. That's one of the things talking about. It's called, verse 15, Moses built an altar, and he called the name of the altar Jehovah Nisi, 
I am the Lord, your banner. Now, I'm just touching on this because I'm showing you the continuity, showing the God of provision, showing the God of your banner. Even it talks about the Jehovah Shalom, I am the Lord, your peace. Jehovah said, Can you? I am the Lord, your righteousness. All of these things and more. Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that he would be. That's what we're getting to right now. I am. Not that I will be. Now, you see, religion, here, here's a strange thing. This is what they do. They believe the religious stories. They said, oh, that was good for them. That happened then. But, and they also believe in the tomorrow. But what about today? What God's doing today? But there's a scripture for that. And the word tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Speaking about the same of time. All the way back then to now and forever. He is still the same. Still the great healer. Still the one that causes the blind to see. Still the one that causes the lame to walk. Still the one that breaks the power of cancer in their bodies. Still the one that breaks every disease that comes upon you. I am that I will be or someday. You see, religion keeps you in the sums. You say, what sum? S-O-N-E-S. Sum. Sometime, somewhere, when, somewhere, somewhere, somewhat. It's always something out there, but you don't know how to tangibly touch it. It's now. It's now. The power of God is now. The blessing of the Lord is now. Did you know this? That in heaven, you will not need the element of faith. Faith is for the earth. Faith is not for heaven. You will never find the animals of faith. It talks about the men, talks about the women, talks about those saints. But the operation of faith is not in heaven. Not there. Not there because faith is for the earth. It causes us to we live by faith. Everything we do should be according to that. The gracious way that God has set forth all of the things we talk about, that God wants to bless his children. Amen. God wants to bless his children. And all the way through the word of God where it talks about healing, when it talks about deliverance, when it talks about the blessing, when it talks about everything that God wants to do for the children of God. And so as we look through the word of God and find these wonderful statements, then we start believing that God can and will do what he said. And this is what we're going to deal with today. That was just a kind of an introductory thing. What we're dealing with specifics is the divine healing in the atonement. Is it there? Question mark. Is the divine healing in the atonement? Ah, that's another story. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to relate to you the different miracles I have seen throughout the world with my own eyes. First, I'm going to deal with William Branham. William Branham came several times to our church there in South Bend. And one of the great healings that took place, and at that time the church was called the South Bend Gospel Tabernacle. This was on Michigan Street, the main street in town. So Brother Branham was there for a series of services. And uh, one of the men, which comes to the church all the time, he's on the board and everything else, he uh, was in construction. He owned the construction company, and the day 
Saturday, the day before Sunday, he broke his leg, and there was no one to help him with that. So he wrapped it up, did the best he could do. He could he call the doctor or anybody? Nobody could help him. And so he came to church. The man came to church. He was in a dead pain. He sat down behind the third pillar. So Willie Brandon got up there, ready to speak. He didn't say, hello, how, how you doing, good to see you. He said, the man sitting behind the third post, you broke your leg yesterday. If you stand out in the aisle, you will be healed. He pointed his finger toward that man. The power of God hit that man. He went down on the floor by the power of God. Nobody got him. He floated down there. Then he jumped up off the floor and he started running. He said, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. What a testimony. Everybody in the construction crew knew that he broke his leg Saturday, but God healed it on Sunday. Oh, hallelujah. So, we have seen. Now, Brother Brandon was speaking over Chicago, and he was at this huge convention, and a lady came before him and said, please, 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 pray for my brother. And so, Brother Brandon just closed his eyes, and he said, oh, the place I see where your brother is, it, it, it's very, you know, mountainous, and not only that, too, but it has a lot of pine trees, and he began to describe what it looked like. And he said, but don't have any fear. He said, your brother is in a hammock swinging back and forward, and he's all right. There's no problem with him. She got so upset, the lady did. She said, how would you know that? She called her husband by name. He said, now go call him and find out how is he doing. So... He goes and calls the land of Finland, which has a lot of pine trees and a lot of things like that. He calls up and talks to the wife. He said, now, what is my brother Eric doing? And said, he's in a hammock. He's swinging back and forth. He's not sick anymore. And they dropped the phone. They couldn't believe that the man of God said those things, and the man was instantly healed by the power of God all the way to another country. That's why we can speak here, where we are right now, and pray for the nations of the world, and you will feel the mighty power and the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many years ago, there was an evangelist called Christian Erickson. In the Philippines, we saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of healed people who had goiters, kind of like a tumor, around the neck area, Blind eyes were healed. The lame were walking. power of God was so strong, he never laid his hand on anybody. He just prayed. God took care of it. Then, of course, old Roberts. How I was healed in that. In the Miracle Crusades. In the 1950s, the 1960s, finally went on television. Oh, my, 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 we could stay there a long time. Mm. Brother Roberts said at one time he calculated that he'd laid his hands on close to a million people. My, 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 my. What a man of God. What a man of God. Then, of course, the ladies have to get into it. you got Marie Wadsworth Eder. She had so many, get this, she had so many miracles in the state of Indiana that the trade executives built her own railroad tracks from Indianapolis to Kokomo for the miracles they saw. Are you ready for that? That's shaking pretty good. Moving things. Doing that. Ah, my Lord, my Lord. 
And then in the 1950s, you had an explosion of healing evangelists. But I've got great news for you. God is returning that same power and that same blessing in a greater dimension. That people will be healed on the street. They will be healed in your house. They will be healed wherever you walk. Because we are carrying the message of healing to the nations, to the generations. You see God's power in full operation. All right. What are we dealing with? We're dealing with divine healing in the atonement. One of the greatest controversies involving the divine healing, whether or not it's, it's part of Calvary. We believe that healing is the most integral part of the, in essence, of the gospel. It is the atonement of the Lord Jesus. We believe because sickness entered the world, because Adam, high treason, committed high treason, he turned his authority over to the devil. And that was the result of sin. Therefore, healing cannot be a side issue because disease is of the devil and sin is of the devil. On that basis of thought, get this, on the basis of that thought, healing must be a part of the atonement for sin. Healing and salvation are both received by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The same blood that saves is the same blood that heals. Whenever you need healing right now, put your hand where you're sick. Take your hand where the pain is. And I command pain to leave your body in the name of come out of that person. Come out of the women. Come out of the men. Come out of the children. In Jesus' name, be free. Be free. Be free. Be free. Hallelujah. 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 First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Who his own self bear our sin in his own body. On the tree. Now it says in Deuteronomy, it says, curses everyone hangs on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were Healed. That speaks of a past tense. That means it's already taken place. All you have to do is rejoice in it and start thanking God for your healing, for it belongs to you now. It belongs to you right now. Now, we go back to Isaiah 53. That was a preview of Calvary. And here's what he says Surely it borne our grief, carried our sorrows, we didn't seem stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was moved. What? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. Then, over in Matthew chapter 8, it goes on to say that Jesus was testifying of that. When evening was come, they brought so many unto him that were possessed with devils, by spirits, and he cast out the spirit with his word. And what did he do? He healed all that word. Sick. That's a good testimony. He was all those that were sick. Taking that. It says in Isaiah 53 and in 1 Peter 2.24, we've seen it. Talking about stripes, meaning the mark, meaning the bruise. Also, the Word of God tells us that in Psalms, it says the plowers plowed upon my back. That the very punishment that he received, it said the plowers plowed upon my back. My, 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 my. We will never know the extent of the suffering Jesus went through on the earth. 
So they can have Passion of the Christ. They can have all kind of films. But they will never be able to depict all the things that he went through. The Bible says God cannot look at his son because all those sins of the world were upon his son. He took all the sins of the world upon him, past, present, future. He took all the sin and put on him. He's our burden bearer. Now, what happened? All right. Psalm 103, verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your disease. In one breath, there's salvation. In another breath, healing. They're both united. So as long as God forgives sin, he also heals the broken body. He heals. He heals body, soul, and spirit. We're going to get to that a little bit later. It has to do with the total man. Now, it tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, body, soul, and spirit. Your body, your five senses. Your soul, your most of your will, thinking power. Your spirit makes communication to God because Jesus said the only way we can worship the Father is by spirit. They shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So, read John chapter 4. Get all that information inside. So all the witnesses that we have through the word of God in the direction of healing are so amazing and so wonderful and so, you know, above expectation. Now, since we have lived all over the world, we've seen every type of miracle you can possibly imagine. But I think one of the things that has left the impression upon the Chinese people, this happened in all of the latter part of 1950s, Morserella came, and we had a church there in Hong Kong. And this was in the Oriental Theater. And that's the only place we could find at that point in time. And then it was moved from there and went to the uh, soccer stadium. And so many people were healed and blessed. And it was in, in a district there in Hong Kong called Happy Valley. Happy Valley. And at Happy Valley, right down there was the Oriental Theater. And so Brother Sorello was there praying for people. And there were so many people there that, that had limbs that were short. And some of them would have straps upon them, you know, they try to have some kind of apparatus to help them get around. And so he would bring them up, sit down, measure what the distance was. And invariably, I saw legs grow out and even more. A foot and even more, right before your eyes. We just give glory to Jesus. You see... Uh, generally, the Chinese people are very stoic people. They're quiet, reserved. But when they saw that, they came out of their seats and they were jumping, shouting, carrying on, blessing in the name of the Lord. I'm telling you what, when people see the power of God, they shall be moved. Reminds me when I was in Indonesia, several years back now. When I was in Indonesia, I, I was privileged to preach in a, a Presbyterian church. And so, one of the ladies there, she was a Muslim woman. She wanted to find out about Christianity. And this is an ornate church, a very beautiful church there in Surabaya, second largest city in Indonesia. And while we were there, sitting, I just knew in my spirit God was going to do something great. So, she stood up. I thought she wanted to say something. And I said through an interpreter, I said, ask the lady what she wants to say. And she began telling a little bit of her story. She says, uh, I am a Muslim woman. I have been that way for all my life. 
And I've come to this church to find God, God Jehovah. Everybody was shocked. They didn't know. They, they never saw it before. She says, I have a condition of my body. I have bleeding ulcers. And I looked up to the heavens. I said, God, if you're really God, heal these ulcers. A few minutes later, she went to the bathroom, had herself checked out with other women. She was instantly healed of bleeding ulcers. At a meeting that night, she came back. She said, the ulcers are healed. Let her testify first. We had a place that was packed with people wanting to know more about Jesus. See, it's time for demonstration. It's not time to pontificate or anything like that or just you know, say a few words and talk on, talk on. But it's a time to demonstrate the kingdom of God. While we have it here on there, we're demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. My Lord. When we see these things start happening and we watch what's taking place, how God is reaching out and touching and healing the people that need a touch from the Master. Bye, my, 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 my. I believe one of the greatest things, and we're going to touch on that just for here a little bit, having to do with the fact that one of the reasons healing was so powerful is because the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, was touched with a feeling of our infirmity. And so, in the message of healing, has the word compassion. His compassion drove him to action. When he saw somebody, his heart yearned for them. He bled for them, so to speak. He was crying on the inside for them. We'll read just a couple of scriptures here. Now, look at uh, Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. It says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. What an amazing scripture. In the scripture, the word compassion and mercy are synonymous. They're both saying the same thing. In the Hebrew, it says, R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-R-A-C-H-I-
people were allowed to pick up stones and drive him away. Now, when Jesus sees the leper, the leper comes to him and says, if you will, you can make me whole. What he was saying is that if you will touch me, I will be whole. Now, that broke all tradition. That broke everything. Because Jesus was speaking to a leper. Leprosy is contagious. He laid his hand on this leper. I don't know if you've ever seen leprosy. It's very, very ugly. The different parts of your body start falling off. Part of your face falls off. Your nose falls off. Your ears fall off. The different parts of your body fall. They're gone. Rotten flesh. It stinks all the time. There's nothing you can say to even take away the smell of your own. Nothing. Leprosy. That's why they have uh, leprosariums all over the United States, different places in the world. I, I was in one in Japan. I was there, inside. And uh, the brother now was going to be with the Lord. They said, uh, the people, they want you to sit down at a table and eat with them. I said, oh, really? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that kind of information. I said, all right. Let me preach first, and I'll go sit down and eat with them. Well, I got to do that. I sat down, and I got to sit across from the gentleman here that had parts of his body missing. I thought to myself, my God, help that man. My God, help that man. So I pulled my interpreter close to me there. I said, I want to teach the word of God to all these people here. And so in Japanese, the man said, this man wants to tell you about Jesus. And I told him about the story of the leper. And I told him about the story how Jesus cared, how he loved him, how he died for him, how he set them free. And then, I began to say, who here wants Jesus in your heart? And in that leper colony, that one area that I was at, every hand was raised. They said, we want this Jesus. We feel your heart. We feel you care. You sat down at the table with us. A lot of people wouldn't even do that. They wouldn't care. Just sit down at the table and eat with us. By that time, I was crying. I said, I love you. I love you. I said, I've got news for you. When I see you in heaven, you're going to have full arms and full legs. And every part of your body that's been taken away, it's going to be filled. And they had a smile come on their face. That's the last time I saw them. But when I go to heaven, I'll see these beautiful people who were lepers who the Japanese. And as I look at it right now in my spirit and see that, one of the greatest things about leprosy is the type of sin. You've got to get sin out of your life. Remove the sin. And let Jesus come in. And let him be king of kings and lord of lords. At the end of this teaching, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive him. Oh, my, 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 my. So, love spoke the works of hatred every time. The word of love can come and set the captive free. It causes power. And is anointing. Now, let's look at a scripture here. Let's look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And uh, watch some of these things. Look at the verse about 30, 31. This man's testimony. 
tells about the Lord what happened. The great multitude in the capital, so there were ten cities around there, came to him. And who did he come to? He came to the lame. He came to the blind. He came to the dumb and the maimed. And they cast him down at Jesus' feet. And they healed him. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. <laughs> Powerful. How Jesus came to a city and shook that city by what he did. My, 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 my. As we see these things, the compassion of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, how it reaches out, how it touches, how it can set you free, how his blessing can come on you, the good things of God can come on you and overtake you and bless you and strengthen you and increase you. I'm thinking of about a dear woman I prayed for several years back. And, uh, it was her daughter that gave me a call and said, would you go to so-so room? Gave me the hospital. I did. As I walked in the room, I saw this lady with an enlarged head. And I didn't know the full story. So the Lord says, read all the healing scriptures. Start in the book of Mark. Read all of them. Now, I knew she could hear. I didn't announce who I was. I just sat down and read the word of God. Nobody came in the room. She was very grotesque looking, though extremely. Head was double the size. And so I asked one of the nurses, I said, what's your prediction? She said, she has cancer of the brain we can't operate on. She's going to die soon. And <laughs> that's, that's cutting through the short end of it. I said, thank you for your information. So I went back every day and read the word, read the word, read the word. And every day that I read the word to the woman, her brain, her head, started coming down, declining. That means that the, the, the head that was so large started reducing in size, started getting better and better and better and better. Finally, I saw that she had some books out there, books by Brother Hagin, Brother Summerall was there, Brother Osteen. Brother, I mean, she had all the charismatic books. I said, my goodness, the lady must be charismatic. So I kept on going back constantly until she was well. We had conversation. We talked a little bit. She told me, she said, told me, Brother Frank. Said, Brother Frank, the very day that you came in this room, I heard everything you said. And I told Jesus, Jesus, I want healing. I need healing, and I'm going to get it. And I was determined from that day to receive my healing. I said, all right, sister. Praise God for that. Well, anyway, she went home. Totally healed by God's power. Next few days, I hear this call. He said, are your name Summerall? I said, yes, sir, it is. He said, uh, did you go and pray for a lady in so-and-so room? I said, yeah, I did. He said, do you know who I am? I said, no, sir, I no. don't. He said, I'm her husband. Oh, I thought that's going to be warfare there. Uh-huh. He said, let me explain who I am. I am a Baptist minister, which does not believe in healing the way you do. But when I saw my wife healed and God touched her, God changed my heart. 
Now, I heard him on the other land, line. I said, yes. all right, brother, what can I do for you? He said, when can you come preach in my church? <laughs> when can you come preach in my church? I said, how about this Sunday morning? He said, fine. So I walk in there. I had our dear sister testify. She testified to the glory of God, what God was doing, how God was blessing. And the, the story that you just heard, she was telling all that story to her people. And then I announced, I said, let's have a healing line. Now, they didn't never had one of those before. And I began to explain them what would happen. And so it was quite interesting. As I started praying for the people, they started receiving, started getting better, started getting healed. And in that church that I was, they just got out of their seats and came right down to the front. I didn't even ask them to do that. But everyone wanted to touch. They wanted to touch the Lord. So many people were blessed that day. I got invited back several times. And the church started changing its ideas, started changing doctrine, started changing their plans, their ideas of thinking about it. And uh, so I talked to the pastor. I said, Pastor, have you noticed a change in your church? They laughed. He said, well, praise God, we finally got something going here. I said, well, that's good, Pastor, that's good. So every time I went back, he was more friendly all the time. And, and you know, that pastor had a son. And that son was full gospel. And that son went to write Bible college. And his son, generation now, and his son was a youth evangelist. And God used that to shake that area. What God can and will do. That's why I said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So receive it, accept it, believe it, walk it, talk it, live it. Every part of your being to know how good God is. From the Old Testament it says this, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2, but unto you, that fear mine And we're talking about a godly fear. We're not talking about a quaking fear. We're talking about a godly fear. That fear my name shall the Son. Now notice the difference here. This is talking about the S. U-N, not even the S-O-N. The S-O-N was coming, but the S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness, shall arise with healing in his wings. If you go forth and grow up as calves in the stone. So, before that 400-year deafening period of silence from heaven, God promised the Son of Righteousness would arise with healing in his wings. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Notice what he said. Jesus, Jesus, he's even called one of these titles here, the day spring. He was the day spring from my eye. Study that out. You'll find more about that. But this is what I love right here. Turn to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 John 3 and 8. I love this. It, 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 now, this is part B, because this is where I get to it right here. This, part B, it says this. For this purpose, the Son of God, was manifested that he might destroy, hallelujah, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So healing is energized, is blessed, is anointed, is powerful 
is glorious. Every adjective you would like to do, you can place there in the very fact that Jesus heals the children. Like before, compassion. His compassion, how he cared for people. Everywhere he went, the cities would empty out. They would come to him. They would have prayer from him. We're to take that. The Bible says greater works. What does that have to do? Has to we can go, 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 go. In the time period that Jesus lived, he never made a journey of all the time he was walking, about 170 miles. 170 miles. But us, we can go all over the United States, all over the world, teaching, preaching, bringing the good word, the good word of the law. Hallelujah. The good word of the law. The good word of the law has to do with the fact that you believe and receive the good thing that God has for his people. I'm excited about that. Our God. I'm thinking of that song right now. Our God is a mighty God. Our God is a mighty God. He's mighty to save, mighty to heal, mighty to deliver. We don't have to walk in fear. We walk in faith. But the faith that God has placed inside of our spirits, he's placed faith there that will repel and come against any and every attack of the enemy. I'll say that last part in 1 John 3, 8b. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> Amen. If you got works of the devil going on in your house, on your body, Jesus came to set you free. Jesus has come to set you free. Glory. Jesus has come to set you free. Glory to God. So receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Hallelujah. 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 Belong to you. Receive it right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for everyone that's sick, has any kind of problem, any kind of need there, that you will set them free by your word. And they will accept it, they will receive it, and they'll say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I receive in fullness the healing, the deliverance of my body. In Jesus' name I pray. I thank you, Lord. Amen. You pray that prayer and believe it, it belongs to you. And get ready here to receive the salvation message. Amen. Hallelujah. Sister Deborah? God, that, what a my, 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 my. Wow. Powerful <laughs> anointing in this place. My, oh, that yeah. story about the yeah. leper, that was so touching. Yeah. So touching. That, that, that's our God. That's our God. Yes, they'll know that we're Christians by our love and by you demonstrating your love to the to the lepers. Uh, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, that's they, right. they were raised in the Shigbo faith, but when the power of God touched them, they changed their ideas yeah. and walked in their place. Praise right. God. Praise Amen. God. What a powerful, powerful message. Amen. Thank, thank you so much, Brother Frank. Thank you so much. Yes, glory. Yes, I'm going to play a, a quick commercial. It, it It is actually the salvation message. I shouldn't say it's a commercial, but I'm going to go into the salvation message you were talking about. Um, right, hold on. Right. Yes, hold on, please.
This is David Ingalls. Has anyone told you today that God loves you and that he has a plan for your life? I have a very important question I want to ask you. If you were to die this very second, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? The Holy Bible reads, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also reads, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm a whosoever, and you are too. I want to pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, bless those listening to my voice. Bless their family with long, healthy lives. Make yourself real to them. If they aren't born again, I pray that they receive Jesus as Lord right now. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Listening ones, if you would like to receive the gift that God has for you, say this prayer after me from your heart. Say it from your lips out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead. I believe that you're coming back again for me. Oh God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost. Give me a hunger for the things of God. Give me a holy boldness to tell others about Jesus Christ. According to the word of God and my prayer, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. My brother, my sister, I welcome you to the family of God. Be sure to tell someone about your prayer and get into a Bible teaching church family right away. Always remember, run to God and not from God because He loves you and has a great plan for your life. And amen to that. He definitely does love you. And He loves me. And they will know that we are Christians by our love. Love conquers all. And Brother Frank Summerall demonstrated his love at the at the when he sat and he ate with the lepers and he demonstrated it he demonstrated to them that that they were lovable no matter what they were going through, no matter what they looked like physically or or what the smell was, if there was a stench, he he loved on them. And that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus did when he was here. And he loves on people. He He loves, he sat and he ate with the sinners and, and he, he, he went to, Centurions' houses, or just just anybody. So he he loves anybody. He loves you no matter what you've done, where you've been. If you think what you've done is unforgivable, it's not with God. 
it, it there's only one sin that is unforgivable, and that's blaspheme, blaspheming the Holy Ghost. That is the only sin that is unforgivable in this life and in the, the life to come, in the world to come. But if you're worried that you committed the unpardonable sin and you will never be forgiven, then you haven't committed that sin. Because if you had, then you wouldn't you wouldn't be worried about it. You wouldn't really care. You would just be doing your own thing and you would have been cut off without a remedy by now and not not even cared. So if you're worried about it, you haven't done it. But as regards to the other sins, no matter how great or small, you could have even sold your soul to the devil. Jesus already purchased it before you sold it. He already bought it back for you. He 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 bled and died on on the cross of Calvary and then he rose again from the dead. And and he conquered death and hell. Satan's already a defeated foe. And the Lord, Jesus, he he sees, he, he, he understands, and he knows what we go through. He's not, I mean, he's a high, he's our high priest, and and he's not unfamiliar with our with our problems, with our issues. He's not. He's he's touched by the the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it feels like to be tempted. To be tempted in all points, but he's without sin. He was without sin. And thank God for Jesus. Thank God that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. So I'm grateful to God for sending Jesus and I'm thankful for Jesus to Jesus for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Thank you that when you were tempted, when Satan tempted you with all the riches of this world, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't give in to that temptation. But you fought, you, you fought back with the Word of God, and, and even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when you said, "If it be Thy will, let this cup pass from me," but nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't give in to the flesh because you knew what was coming and you were God, but you were also in the, the man. So you were in the flesh and you knew what was coming and the pain and the horror of it, the torture, the mockery and everything that went along with it. And I thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Thank you for taking it the sin and the shame and pain and the sickness, disease upon yourself that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the sweet, sweet Holy Ghost, the sweet Holy Spirit, wonderful Holy Spirit. You said, I will not leave you comfortless, but will come to you in the form of the Holy Ghost. 
within you, the comforter. And I thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for coming. I am so, so glad, Holy Ghost, that you came on the day of Pentecost. And that same Holy Ghost and fire that was on the day of Pentecost, you live inside of me, the same presence of God. And I'm grateful to you, Holy Ghost, for everything that you've done and that you do and that you're my comforter. So very grateful. So grateful to you. I was praying to the Holy Ghost, as a matter of fact. But before I get to that point, let me, the scripture I was trying to quote here is John fourteen eighteen. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So, and he sent he sent the Holy Ghost to us. So he's with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. The God is in heaven. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. Ever living 24-7, make intercession for us. The Holy Ghost, if we're saved, born again, baptized with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is living on side, in the inside of us, in our heart, our spirit. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Ghost. Jesus, he is the baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire. If you've not been baptized with the evidence with in the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, then just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, you are the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire. And I'm asking you right now to baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. Now, when faith is, faith, we call it faith is, faith is now and, and faith pleases God and faith is an action. There's an action to our faith. So since you've prayed and you've asked for the Holy Ghost to baptize you and fill you with the Holy Ghost and fire, then that right there is you just what you your action right now is letting the the words come out of your mouth, just opening your mouth and letting the Lord the Holy Ghost to speak for you, not speaking in English. Not speaking in Spanish, Filipino, whatever, any language, just letting Shokora Baba Basa Karada de Dianda Lada de Dedesio, Shokore Landa Lidia Karada de Anda Laba Baba Basure, Shuranda Lela Kare, Sukora Landa de Sukora de. That's it, keep speaking it louder, louder. That's it, keep speaking it, speaking in tongues. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for baptizing them and filling them with your Holy Ghost and fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And if you haven't gotten, if you're not speaking it, stand in faith. Stand on the Word of God. 
and keep keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, keep believing that you're going to be praying in the Holy Ghost. And there have been there have been testimonies of people going about doing their daily chores, and they're just focusing on their chores. And the next thing you know, they're speaking in their prayer prayer language just comes right out. So believe that you receive it and stand on the promise of that word. So you just do that and and he will he will honor that. I'm going to give you the number that you can call in if you want to call into the studio and give us a prayer request or a testimony, a comment, a question. That area code is 646-668-2093-646-668-2093. We have about 51 minutes. You're more than welcome to call in. Love to have you join and speak with you. Brother Frank was sharing all of his wonderful healing testimonies. They just built my faith up because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as listening to those testimonies, it just built my faith for healing for me, for you. Just made that faith muscle in regards to healing, made the healing muscles faith stronger. <laughs> As I was as I was praying earlier, I, I like to pray and ask the Holy Ghost what He would have me share in regards to this, to these teachings, to the show, what He would have me speak on, because I could speak on. I mean, I could I could study things, I could research things, what I think might be a good idea, and I could prepare a bunch of things and. Not that it's not good to be prepared. It's always good to be prepared. But I want fresh manna. I want a fresh word from God. Only he knows what we need at the moment that we need it. And so I asked him, I said, what do you want me to share with your with your people? What do you want me to tell them? He told me to tell you that he loves you. He loves you so much. And that he carried all sickness, disease, and pain on his body when he went to Calvary and on the cross. He bore it on the cross of Calvary so you wouldn't have to take it. You wouldn't have to bear it. You wouldn't have to carry the weight of sin. And you wouldn't have to carry the burden of pain and sickness and disease Jesus took it all he took it all in fact I have played this once or twice before but it bears it bears uh, playing again because not a lot of people have a understanding medical wise of of um of the torture 
that Jesus went through. And I'm going to play a clip, an audio clip from a medical examiner telling us what exactly Jesus went through when he was tortured for you and for me. It's the most important event in history. What did it feel like? One weekend that split time into before and after. What did it look like? If you believe, it defines your whole existence. What really happened? But how much do you really know about the cross? Any illustrations I saw of the crucifixion were of a fairly placid uh, Jesus looking down in pity from the cross. This was not a this was not a pretty picture. Dr. Carl McCurdy has studied Jesus' crucifixion and has filled in many scientific details that the Bible leaves out. Jesus allowed himself to suffer and, uh, and uh, I can't imagine a worse way to die. Jesus said, This is your hour when darkness reigns. Luke twenty two, fifty two and fifty three. Thursday night, April 6th, 30 A.D. Most historians agree this is the date of Jesus' arrest. Pilate had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Mark 15, 15. For prisoners sentenced to crucifixion, the first step was flogging. The Romans used a whip called a flagrum. It was specially designed to rip the skin off a prisoner's back. They headed down to an art. The iron would make bruises. But then these pieces of bone will begin to cut cut. and cut into the skin and subcutaneous tissue would would result in in lacerations all the way down the muscle. muscle. The uh, pain would be uh, intense and unrelenting. The point of the scourging was to bring the victim as close to exhaustion and as close to death as possible before actually before. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Then they struck him on the head again and again. Matthew 27, 29, and 30. Next, for Jesus, a special punishment. The thorns themselves were most likely several inches long and horribly painful. The face and the scalp have probably the best blood supply of any, uh, you know, any area of the body. You also have the, some of the most some nerves, some of the greatest number of nerves, nerves. Uh, in the skin that would be on, on the scalp and the face. Uh, again, intense, sharp pain. They seized Simon of Cyrene, put the cross on him, and made him carry it. Luke 23, 26. It weighed between 80 and 110 pounds, and knowing that Jesus could not carry what the Romans called the patibulum gives clues about the beating he'd already suffered. One thing that we, we see in common is that a young person, a person who is in good condition, much closer to death than we think from the blood loss. So even though Jesus at this point was stumbling and, uh, and could, remain could remain upright, he was probably very near the edge of, uh, of total circulatory collapse. He went out to the place of the skull, and here they crucified him. John 1917. 
Crucifixion was a relatively bloodless process. The nails Romans used resembled railroad spikes. Spikes. There was one pounded through both feet and one hammered through each wrist. The nail or spikes through the palm through the would never, never hold the weight uh, of a body. But the spike inserted through here would uh, would get right in the middle of those uh, wrist bones and would uh, um, would enable the uh, the body to be suspended by the strength of those of those uh, those ligaments. Those ligaments. The pain would be like hot liquid. It would be a hot shooting pain back up the arm. It would leave the hand in a claw shape and paralyzed. Paralyzed. Death on a cross had little to do with nails. Instead, crucifixion normally meant death by suffocation. The only way you can adequately breathe would be to push up with the impaled feet, pull up with the arms in order to breathe, and then sag down again and exhaust And obviously, every time that happened, there was intense pain in the arms. The scourge back would rub against the, uh, 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 the rough wood of the cross. The uh, impaled feet would also have their own nerve pain and, and pain shooting up the legs. Uh, and it would be pure agony to simply take a breath. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Mark 15, 37. Crucifixion often took days, but Jesus died quickly. And as the loud cry suggests, he also died suddenly. A catastrophic terminal event is a pathologist's phrase to mean that something happened all of a sudden to cause death. And my feeling would be that that his scourging was so intense, the blood loss that preceded the uh, crucifixion was so intense that that shortened the uh, length of time uh, of the crucifixion. And in this case, the final event was, uh, was I'm sure, either a normal heart rhythm or his heart simply stopped. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a new tomb, and they laid Jesus there. John 19, 41 and 42. On April 7, 30 AD, the world turned dark. Jesus is dead. Friday is over. But Sunday is coming. How powerful is that? To know that Jesus loves you and he loves me so much that he would go through such torture as he did for you and for me. And when I was praying as well, um, some other things he told me to tell you was, Definitely when I asked the Holy Spirit, what you wanted me to tell you, he said, tell them I love them. Make sure you tell them that I love them. I love them. Make sure you tell them. And I'm waiting for them. I'm waiting for them to come home. I'm waiting for the backsliders to come home. I'm waiting for the first time, the people that, that he's waiting for the people who have never received him to say to, to invite him in 
to their hearts. And he loves you. So he asked me, told me several times, tell them I love them. God loves you. In fact, in Romans, in Romans 5, verse 8, it reads, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That says in that verse three times, while we were yet sinners. Basically means while we were still sinning, while we were still in the world. Before the foundations of the world. He's a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his love. He demonstrated his love for you and for me on that cross and the torture that he went through. Taking the sin, the shame, the pain, the sickness, everything that we wouldn't have to. He paid the debt for us. What a price. What a price that he paid for you and for me. You know, there's this old, this little little thing that has uh, gone around some <clears throat> asking Jesus, how much do you love me? This much, Jesus replied, and then he stretched out his arms and he died. But he rose again. Just a little, like, cliche, kind of little poem, little catchy phrase kind of thing. How much do you love me? This much. Jesus replied, and he stretched out his arms. He conquered all, conquered death, hell. Conquered it all for you and for me. And through his conquering, we overcame. We overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. Now, ever notice when you're reading in the Bible, if there's there's different scriptures in there that will give you a different perspective of just different perspective on what you're studying, what you're listening to, or what you're whatever it is that you're doing. Just different scriptures will give you a different perspective. Well, I feel led of the Lord that yes, even though I did play an audio clip of the crucifixion by a medical examiner, a different perspective, yet down the same vein, no pun intended, I'm going to play an audio clip about the crucifixion from the perspective of a medical doctor. I think he's an ER doctor. And I'm going to play it now, so please stand by. Yeah, I, I believe that Christ's suffering 
uh, and the demonstration of the kind of um, physiologic stress that his human body was under uh, is manifested in the Garden of Gethsemane, where it's described that he was sweating blood. And there are there is a well-documented uh, medical condition in which patients who are under tremendous amount of uh, emotional stress and physiological stress can, in fact, uh, sweat blood because little blood vessels within the glands burst and, the, and then the blood is expressed. The, the, the scourge involved the use of a, a short whip with pieces of uh, typically metal, sometimes bone, sometimes pieces of porcelain wrapped in these leather straps, which is then utilized to, to come across uh, typically the back, the shoulders, the legs of the victim. Uh, and uh, the first few passes across a particular body part would tear through the skin, the fat, uh, but eventually, once the outer layers were, were uh, torn away, it would start getting in the muscle and the tendon. And of course, along the way, you're ripping through all the blood vessels that supply all those tissues. And so you're losing blood the whole time. The plant that was described um, uh, actually had a very long thorn, um, not the little thorns that we would think from a rose bush. These were thorns that were uh, typically an inch and a half to two inches in length. The scalp is one of the most vascular portions of our bodies. It had a huge blood supply up there. So then having those thorns shoved down into the, you know, down onto the bony plate would have gone through all the scalp which in and of itself would have created a huge amount of blood loss. Uh, I've seen people actually bleed to death from just a scalp injury. So uh, this is not a small injury to have, uh, who knows, dozens uh, of these things shoved into your scalp. And so that would have caused more blood loss. Typically when a victim has to uh, uh, carry the cross, what has been described uh, in the literature, in, in actual Roman literature, is they, they describe, the, they, they carry the crossbar. Uh, and the crossbar is estimated alone, was estimated to weigh about 110 pounds. And of course, if your arms are stuck out here, wrapped up on the cross, crossbar, and you fall down, you need help getting up. You, you, you just can't get up on your own because there's no possible way without your arms to get up. So you would have needed help getting up. If he, fall, if he fell over, there's a good chance that he could have hit his chest, which, which then could account for the possibility of a cardiac injury. Anatomically, we consider the wrists as part of the hand. And so uh, with the placement of the nails between the radius and the ulna at that position, it, it still fits, fits the definition of being in the hand and it's in a position in which the nail won't rip out, which you have to have, you have, to have a solid point of fixation. Uh, another interesting point about the placement of that is the median nerve goes right straight through that particular uh, 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 portion of the wrist. And so there would have been uh, either destruction of the nerve or, or impingement of the nerve that would have created tremendous amount of pain so that every time you try to take a breath, you'd be, it'd be agonizing. You'd be pushing down on spike feet which of course hurt, and then you'd be hanging on spiked arms. And so you alternate from excruciating pain to excruciating pain every time you take a breath. So, so even if he survives the actual crucifixion, he would have had to survive what I believe to be a, a, 
a lethal injury from the spear to, to find out whether he was alive or not. What's described is the loss of water and blood, and that would entail either the, the uh, uh, either a pleural effusion or pericardial effusion, and the blood would have come from either pulmonary artery, a pulmonary vein, the aorta or vena cava, or the heart itself. None of those injuries, unless you're treated immediately by a trauma surgeon like myself, with all the advanced equipment that we have, would be survivable after even a few minutes. Christ, as the Son of God, could have survived anything. He chose to manifest himself as a human at that point in time and allowed himself to die. And, and being human at that point in time, he could not have survived this particular series of traumas. It's not possible. Um, Christ as God could have survived anything they threw at him. And, but he chose to be Christ, the human, at that point in time to die for our sins. And that given that, that self-limitation of remaining to be human, he died. He did not survive the event. I, uh, I'm profoundly impacted by it because I realized that the price that we paid was something I'm not, I would be, never be willing to do for probably anybody. It's very difficult for me to even sing songs about the cross, even in worship. Because I truly do understand what he paid, the price that he paid. crying here but I gotta I gotta keep keep wow that is is so much it's powerful I feel his anointing so strong right now you know it says in Matthew twenty six fifty three. Well, actually, go back to 52. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. Could have could have called twelve legions of angels. But the scriptures had to be fulfilled. And God loves you and he loves me so much that he was willing to go through all of that. The theme I get tonight is 
of course, the healing and love, love motivated Jesus, love motivated him to pay the price, saw us like sheep without a shepherd, and he, he knew that we needed help. He knew that Adam had had made the biggest mistake of of all time when he sinned with Eve and when they ate the forbidden fruit. And he just uh, loves. It goes back to love, like with the leper colony, or not the leper colony, but the lepers at dinner, eating with the lepers, eating food with them, and Frank and a in a polite way said, you know, they did have a stench, the stench of rotting flesh and missing body parts. You know, so their nose would fall off or their ear or finger or arm or but Dr. Frank Summerall he sat and ate with them. And he he didn't look at them funny, he still ate. He loved on them. And that love conquered, conquered it, conquered the barrier, the the stigma of having leprosy, the everything that goes along with it. The love that Brother Frank demonstrated to those lepers when he sat down with them to eat penetrated. Through, into, to, through their heart and because of the love that he showed the whole place was saved the Entire, all the people that were there were saved Jesus Jesus' love is beyond understanding it's not like man's love it's agape love. It's unconditional love. A lot of people may say, well, God loves me. He won't send me to hell. That's not true. Basically, it's like, God loves me. He'll, he won't send me to hell. I can pretty much live how I want to live because I said the salvation prayer, and God loves me. He loves everybody. So if he loves me, he's not going to send me to hell. It's not true. You're deceived. If you believe that. God loves you. But he, if you make the decision, because a lot of people will say that, oh, God loves, so he won't send me to hell, and he gives me grace. He gives you grace to, to, to prevent you, to, have, to, to enable you. To, to stop sinning, to 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 not sin, to to it gives just grace to live right, not grace. Grace is not grace is not a license to sin. You don't play with God's grace. Grace is definitely not a license to sin. You say, "Oh, God loves me." Love and you know, war kind of thing. Uh, he's not going to send me. 
he loves me. That's not true at all. He'll love you all the way to hell. And while you're burning in the flames, he'll still love you. I don't think he takes pleasure. In fact, I know he doesn't take pleasure in, in, in you going, but you're the one, I'm the one, whoever is the one that makes that choice. Because God sends people. First of all, he sent Jesus to die on the cross, but then he sends people across people's path to preach the gospel to them, to witness to them, however it is that they do. But then if they they have a choice then to receive him or not to receive him. But it'll be counted against them on the day of judgment if they don't receive it. So these people that don't receive Jesus, it says those that believe are 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 safe, but those who are not are are damned already. So it's it's really a matter of choice, and unfortunately, God cannot override our will. If He did, that would make Him a dictator, and He's not a dictator; He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. And living one foot in the world and one foot out out of the world, like living with with straddling the fence, one foot in church and one foot, you know, kind of dipping your toes and dipping your foot in the things of the world and the sins of the world and the attractions of the world and whatever it is. You can't go to church on Sunday and act one way and and even mean it on that day and then go home and live like the devil and cuddle up with the devil and his cohorts Monday through Saturday. Go out and be with the world and so much so that if you got arrested, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Can do you stand out in the crowd without even saying a word? Do people see the glory of God on you when you're standing next to either another believer or even a sinner? Do they even see the glory? Do they look at you and say, there's something different about that person. I'm going to kind of watch them and see what they do. What, what is it about them that is so different? I mean, the Lord, he says, be different. Come out of come out among come out among the world and don't be like the world. I mean it also says to let your light shine. To let your light shine so that we stand out in the world. You know, so that we are not we're not like the world because we're we're in this world, but we're not of the world. And in Matthew five sixteen, it says, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." 
Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you can go around. You can go go around and do a bunch of good works because that's gonna get you into heaven. That's not the issue there. But it says, "Let your light so shine before men that they may that they they'll they'll, they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." And actually, as believers, we are salt. And light. And in that same chapter, Matthew 5 talks about the Beatitudes. That's something awesome. At the very beginning, from starts about this is Sermon on the Mount. If you, you get a moment, read the whole chapter 5. But in Matthew 5, starting, it goes through verse 13, and I'm going to probably read what I just read as well. Um, but it goes from 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, I ask you, And I ask me the same question. If if I'm standing next to next to somebody, am I going to is there I mean is my light shining? The light of God shining through me? That people are gonna know that there's something different about me? Are people going to know that there's something different about you by looking at you? I think it was, I think, I could be wrong about the person. I think it might have been Smith Wigglesworth. It could have been somebody different. But they didn't say a word. They were, I think, standing on a train. Um, They were going someplace. And these priests or whoever they were, their backs, when they came down, they knelt at their feet. He said, you convict us of our sins. Please, we're backslidden. Lead, you know, help us. Pray for us. You convict us of our sin. The person didn't even say a word. They were just there. But the greater one living on in, inside of them, over the overflow, his presence, the other people, they were they were feeling that they were convicted by the anointing. This person, it was the Holy Ghost. This other person didn't say a word. It's like, you convict us of our sin. Help us. And they got rededicated, saved, and born again. And they got right with God. But it shows the power of God, the anointing of God. His love for us. You know, forgiveness is also 
very important that if we're if if our heart if our hearts are not right with God, I understand if there's things. Well, let me put it this way: if we've got sin in our lives, known known sin, that if we know we're carrying unforgiveness towards somebody, for example, saying. Well, I forgive them, but I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll, I, I won't forget it. Well, chances are you haven't really truly forgiven them from your heart. And with um, with uh, with forgiveness, with keeping our heart right. I mean, God, when we when we tell him that we're sorry, we mean it. He knows that we're sorry. He forgives us, but he throws it as far as the east is from the west and puts it on the bottom of the sea of forgetfulness. So his forgiveness, I mean, he forgets it. So if you're saying, I forgive them, but I don't forget. I'm never going to forget what they did, never. But I forgive them. And you haven't forgiven them. When we forgive, we might have some some issues and some feelings come up, but we just say, no, I've forgiven. I'm not going to let those feelings come up. I'm going to, just going to, going to let it go. And... I give it to the Lord, but I, I forgiveness is a very, very vital, vital, vitally important to forgive because unforgiveness. I, we had a show a while back, and it was titled um, "Don't Drink Poison and Expect the Other Person to Die." And that's what unforgiveness does and bitterness. It, it you're you're drinking that that poison and you're expecting the other person to die. You're expecting them to suffer for for what you will not let go of and that person is probably probably just doing whatever and uh going out on the golf course, playing golf, or they're just doing whatever it is that they're doing, and they're not, uh, they're really not, I mean, they're just, we need to forgive from our hearts. Now, I'm praying that this audio comes across really good. I'm about to play something I have not it's on it's on YouTube. It's powerful and I pray the Lord that it, it comes through. Well actually first before I play that I'm gonna play a quick it's a it's a it's it's about a minute and it's about this this was this uh Gary Ridgeway was a serial killer and he killed I forget how many people he killed, but he killed a lot of a lot of women. And there, 
families were invited to speak at his at his sentences arraignment and I'm going to play that and I'm going to show you and then let you hear an example of true forgiveness Gary Ridgway sat there stone faced as victims relatives damned him and mocked him he's an animal I wish for him to have a long suffering cruel death he's going to Go to hell, and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe, and that is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. Jesus should have suffered for your sins. 
at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my sins rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I have guidance every day. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man. That was one of the most cruel officers, guards, in the concentration, in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world. Also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And I, I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus' coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, Brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. That right there was a clip from Corey Chen Boone on how to forgive. Her name is spelled C-O-R-R-I-E. A new name, T-E-N, and then a new name, B-O-O-M, How to Forgive. So you can look that up on YouTube or or wherever it is that uh, you can look it up on there. That's powerful. I tell you, she forgave the very person that tortured her, and Jesus forgave us. And so we need to forgive the ones 
no matter what it is, because we're doing it to keep our heart right, and we need to just give it to God and be obedient and forgive by choice, obedience, and by faith, the feelings will follow. And just knowing you got your heart right and I've got my heart right. And the number one thing is to forgive ourselves as well. So just repeat this after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I forgive everybody who ever hurt, neglected, or abused me. It was not my fault. I forgive myself for anybody I ever hurt, neglected, or abused, including myself. Jesus, I release them to you. Fill me with your peace, your joy, and your love. I let them go. Amen. I want to tell you right now, is that not feeling free? Somebody once told me I was having an issue with unforgiveness. They they said they used an illustration, and they said if you, um, if I uh, handed you a hot potato and put it in and put it in your hand, what would you do? And I said I'd drop it. And they said, well, that's exactly what you have to do with forgiveness. You have to let it go because if if you were to hold that hot potato. You're going to get burnt. So that's just a little illustration there. And we got about one minute and 30 seconds. So I want to give you a prayer line. It's 866-857-4837. 866-857-4837. You can go to revival.com. That's Revival.com, R-E-V-I-V-A-L, Revival.com. And you and if you have any prayer requests or testimonies, questions, feel free to email me at FireTalkRadio, the number two, at Yahoo.com. That is FireTalkRadio, number two, at Yahoo.com. And I trust this has been a blessing to you. If you have a chance, come come to our blog talk, the blog talk homepage, and follow me on there. That's blogtalkradio.com/slash/firetalkradio, and then number two. Love to have you join and follow me on there. And until we meet again on next Monday, we'll be here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But until then. Know that you are loved, you are valuable, you're accepted in the beloved. God loves you so much, and I love you too. Until we meet again, peace. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. All right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer.